welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. I am joined by actor and comedian Wendy Wayson. Hello, Wendy. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Welcome to the Divorce Club. Thank you very much. I'm good. All good here. How do you feel when I say to you, you are divorced? I feel fine about it now. There's a level of shame that I felt in the early days because it feels like something's gone wrong and I overthink everything anyway. So I remember sort of going on my divorcee And I think I had to address it a lot more than most people might have to address it because I have two children with my ex-husband and I'd go through airports with the children when they were little and I have to bring their birth certificates and my marriage certificate and my divorce certificate because they need to know that I'm not stealing children. I always felt when you're divorced, something's gone wrong. It's not really a positive. No one goes, do you know what, I'm going to make my life better and divorce as a fun thing. It's not, you know, it's, it's not positive. Eventually, it's positive because you're not in a situation that you don't want to be in. Yeah, I felt shameful for a while. But yeah, now you say I'm divorced. I'm like, yeah, I'm divorced. (laughs) Yeah. It's quite a long answer, isn't it? No, I like it. How many years on are you now? 2007, we split. What's that? 12 years on? 13, yeah. 13 years on, yeah. And I just want to go back for a second because you said that airports, you had to bring your marriage certificate. Yeah. And the children's birth certificates. Why is that? Because they're quite hot on children being abducted. Their father could abduct them any day of the week because they've got the same name as him. Oh, I see. But I had to prove that I was their mother. I mean, there was so many situations. Like, if you don't carry the documents, like sometimes, you know, when they take the bag off you and they, they check your bag in. Yeah. And the UK are quite hot and I'd get to passport control and they'd be like, where's the proof that these children are your children? And I'd be like, in the bag that they took off me. So you get, you get questioned about it. Like in France, they have a missing kids list that they go through. Because if you've got a different name from the kids you're traveling with, they want to know why. And is this all because you didn't change your name when you got married? I changed my name when I got married, but I changed it back again when I got divorced. I see. And I understand why it's done, but I just like, there was one situation where we're coming through an airport and in France and I think in Spain, they ask the kids, they say, who's this lady? And they check to see if they're stressed and like, you know, the kids were quite eloquent. This is my mum, and they were quite eloquent about it. And once I came to the UK and I had that situation where they checked my bag in and I didn't have the documents and the guy said, so what's your relationship with these children? And he was really young. And also when people ask you that question, you're, you're like, I got married and I got divorced and I had my kids and then and you sort of feel you're on the defensive anyway. And then I said, why don't you ask the kids? And he said to Max, who's this lady? And I had my youngest one with me at that time as well, who also has a different name to the other two. So Max said, well, this is my mom. Uh, She was married to my dad and then she got a divorce and she married his dad. Brilliant, isn't it? All all great. And Max was 11. And uh, I said, so there you go. And the guy was like, yeah, but you might have groomed him. And Max was like, what does groomed mean, mommy? And I was just like, oh my God. 
How did that feel constantly being questioned in that way? It felt shameful and I felt like I had to, like, it was always a nice relief to get someone in at the airport who was nice about it. Because obviously doing what we do, you travel a lot. I remember once going to LAX, handing over my passports with all the different names. I was like, these are all my children. They've got different names. We're quite a modern family. And the guy went, I come from one of them myself, ma'am, and smiled. And I just felt so relieved I wasn't going to have to prove that my children were my children. Wow. So is that one of the sort of more difficult consequences of your divorce? Were there other ones practically? I think having children with your ex-partner is difficult. I mean, I don't know what it's like being divorced when you don't have to see them again. I think that would be quite nice. Well, that's where I am. And you don't have to see them again. You know, I don't know if you sort of long to see them or you miss them or if it's a kind of, I don't know. I just, I, I sometimes think it'd be great if I didn't have, like, so you have a disagreement with your partner Say they're late, they're late for something. You think, oh, they must have got held up. Whereas with my ex-husband, if he's late, I'm like, oh, typical, he's late again. The reaction doesn't really merit the crime, but I, um, I think I'm harder on him because sometimes I disagree with him about his parenting. And how do you have a discussion with your ex-husband about that? Yeah, it's weird, I guess, for me in a different way because I don't have children and I've split up with my ex and I don't have to see him again. But our marriage ended, you know, it was both of our decision. All right. So it's not like I don't like him, so I don't want to see him again. But it's quite strange that, you know, if I never saw him again, there'd be nothing to show that we were ever married. Do you know what I mean? Oh, really? I could erase that bit. But there's who you are now. I mean, I always think you're the result of your marriage in the way that we're results of all our experiences. Because I would never not get married again because I wouldn't have Max and Bella, my two eldest, and I would definitely not be married to my current current husband. <laughs> you know, let's go with that one. <laughs> I wouldn't be married to him had I not been through what I'd been through my with my divorce. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I definitely think things mould us. I just think you know I could never see my ex again and not talk about him. And if new people met me, they'd never know that I was married before. Do you know what I mean? In the yeah, way yeah. that they do because of, of your children. So I think that's just an interesting contrast. People ask questions that I, I was like, and I always used to get quite defensive about it because I think I did feel like it was a failure. And, and having kids with different surnames is quite a sort of stamp of, yeah, I was married before, it didn't work out. But my two eldest are 18 and 15 and my youngest is eight. And I remember someone saying, oh, that's quite an age gap. Did you get a divorce? And thinking, well, she's right. Yeah, I did get a divorce. But I also thought, fuck off none of your business. You know, I could have had 16 miscarriages. I wish I had the guts to say, no, 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 16 miscarriages. Not that I should feel judged or she, she, was, she might not even have been judgmental, but sometimes it, it feels like it's hanging in the air. Yeah. And people are prejudging. So why did you feel that sort of sense of, of shame about the divorce? Was it that kind of idea of failure? Um, I didn't want to get divorced. My mum got divorced twice with quite sort of acrimonious divorces. I never wanted to. My ex-husband knew I didn't want to get divorced. So there was behavior happening that I didn't deserve. And it got to the point where I was kind of like, do you know what? I'm out. And I think he was just as shocked as I was. So do you feel that you were kind of, your hand was forced into divorce in a way? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember a friend saying to me, you are the model for your daughter. Do you want your daughter to be in a marriage like this? Because she'll look at that and this is what she'll think. And I thought, no. But I think by that point, he was sort of doing that thing. Remember at school when um, you wanted to dump someone, but you didn't want to be the bitch. So you used to just behave badly until they dumped you. Yeah. There was a bit of that going on. So you didn't have to do it. So do you remember the moment that you decided, this is enough, I'm going to do this? I remember crying and crying and crying. 
And then I remember sort of pulling myself together and thinking, no, this isn't going to happen. And what was it like in the immediate aftermath of that? Because you'd made the decision, even though you felt forced to. Well, no, what happened was, well, there was infidelity and we went to marriage guidance. And the woman at marriage guidance said to me, when did you accept that sometimes men are unfaithful and we just have to move on with it? What? <laughs> I remember thinking, no, I don't think I, no, I don't think I did accept that. And then it got to the point where he was like, I just don't have this in me to fix the marriage. And I was like, do you want a divorce? Because I can't live like this. And he was like, yeah, I think we should separate. So my hand was forced, but I wasn't in a happy situation. And he didn't want to sort of work at it. And you can't fix a marriage on your own, can you? No, definitely not. So did you move out with the children or did you stay? Well, you know, I moved to London because I was working as a stand-up. And I suddenly became aware that our finances weren't in the position I thought they were in because I thought I had the kids and sort of left it up to him I'll never do that again I'll never sort of assume that one part of the partnership is dealing with the finances and everything's fine I think I was always really like oh yeah you deal with all the bills and stuff and now that I'm on my own I'm so glad I just I mean there wasn't anything I wasn't aware of but I'm just so glad that I know exactly what's going on and what's like coming out of the accounts which I didn't really before who wants to deal with finances it's boring but also when you are in a situation where money's been mishandled, it'll never happen again. I, I was just sort of like, what do you mean that's all we've got? So yeah, I had to work. I mean, when I started doing stand-up, the kids were little. Max was six weeks old when I started doing stand-up. And I was wow. like, and I was on my own with the kids because he, he would travel quite a lot for work. So I'd be like driving up to London, which is two hours from Hastings, taking the kids to a friend's house, doing a gig and then driving back, not getting home till like one or two in the morning with kids asleep in the back of the car. And then getting up half six, seven. So I couldn't live in Hastings and do stand-up. So I moved to London. So we moved into separate bedrooms for about a month or two. And then I was like, yeah, I'm I'm moving out. And I found somewhere in London. It was absolutely terrifying. I was absolutely terrified. And were you already doing stand-up before you'd broken up? Yeah. So that wasn't a new kind of career choice, but you just had to do more of it. I always quite fancied doing stand-up, but then I started doing it in 2004. So three years before the marriage went. Although I watched Mrs. Maisel and it's quite close to him. <laughs> I always think, I was like, oh, this is a little bit close to home. Two kids on her own, but I don't quite live in a fancy apartment in New York. But yeah, being a single mum doing stand-up, although she doesn't seem to look after her kids much. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's, it's always other people. Yeah. But I guess that's the life of a working mum. It is, yeah. Stand-up is great for single mums, by the way, because you are there to take them to school and to pick them up from school and to feed them and then to put them to bed and go out and do a gig, get the babysitter. So you just moved to London. You're living this nightlife as a stand-up comedian with two young kids. And presumably you're filing for divorce. Yeah. How did that all work at that time? How did you cope at that time? Looking back on it, I think, my God, how did I cope? But do you know what? I think human beings are really steely. When shit needs done, shit needs done. And I remember like once him coming around saying, I don't have any money to give you for the kids this month. I'm thinking, but I've still got to find it. They're, not gonna, they're, they're still going to need fed. Do you know what I mean? And just get on with it. I've got my head down. I hated the form filling. I won't get a divorce again because I don't like all the forms. <laughs> I'd rather just stay married forever. The form filling did my nut in. That form E, we have to fill out all your expenses and stuff. Did you do that? No. So I didn't get any maintenance from me, but I needed help with the kids, obviously. Hmm. And uh, you have to fill out these forms to say 
what your monthly expenditure is and what you need to survive. And it took me about three weeks. And I was just like, I hate this so much. Other people have mentioned Form E, in fact, on this podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> I feel very lucky. I don't know if it's still coming up for me because we're still doing finance stuff, but I don't need any maintenance. So mm-hmm. hopefully I never have to fill out this Form E. Yeah. But um, do you remember the the practicality of the solicitors and form process? I remember it being really, feeling really grey and heavy. And even things like, I think I got sort of quite institutionalised by marriage because I just let him deal with stuff. And then having to like, um, I realised my car tax was up. So I went to pay the car tax and they were like, we need a recent MOT certificate. And I was like, what? I didn't know that you had to get the car MOT'd before you could get the car tax. So that took me like days trying to sort that out. And all those sort of stuff that like he used to handle. Yeah, I found that too. Like I didn't know who we had like house insurance with. And then I was trying to find out and then I found out and I'd realized it had lapsed for like a month. And then I had this <laughs> panic of like trying to buy house insurance, which I have now, which is fine. Similarly, I think I'd become, whereas I'm a very independent woman and normally handle everything myself. I feel like in the marriage, I'd just gone, you do it. Well, it's, quite, it's, it's much nicer when someone else does it, but it's actually much better for you to do it yourself. Yeah. I think. I remember like, so when we split up, I had a little Corsa that I used to drive and there was a bigger family car and the family car was in his name and the small car was in my name. So I took the family car and moved to London because obviously I had the kids and the dog at the time and he took my car and thought nothing else of it. And then I got a court summons about a year later and I was like, what's this about? And I contacted the DVLA saying, I've got a court summons about a non-payment of a fine. And she said, yeah, it relates to this Nissan Corsa. And he hadn't changed it into his name. It was still in my name. And he'd taken it to some garage and forgotten about it. So it was in a garage. And so when it came for the, 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 the car to be taxed again, it hadn't been declared off-road and it hadn't been taxed. So I was getting fines for not responding to any mail. And of course, it was going to where he was living, the old house. And he didn't mention it to me. And so I went to the DVLA and uh, I was like, I didn't know anything about this. And I said, what, what are the outstanding fines? And I'll just clear them. And she said, they're £2,800. And I was like, what? I just burst into tears and started crying and explained the whole situation. She was like, oh, some men are awful, aren't they? So he tarts it down. <laughs> She's going to make a cup of tea. She was like, I'll wipe as much as I can, but there's only, there's only so much I can do. So I think she took the fines down to like 250 it's good to know that you can do that. Do you know what? Also, though, how lucky is that? Because I'm sure not everyone would have that reaction. There's people there that was, was like, I need to get this money back. Yeah. But I got a woman who was just really sympathetic. But I was just so shocked. But you know how, I don't know. I just, I was kind of like the lack of care there, I found really upsetting. Yeah. Sometimes it is just those like practical consequences of you breaking up that like get to you more than other things, like name changes and post getting lost. It it was quite overwhelming. And also there was a sort of satisfaction with nailing stuff. So like I remember just getting a bunch of folders and like putting electricity, water, gas into all the folders. And I just kept everything really meticulous. So I knew exactly what it was. And if I got any extra money and paying the gas bill ahead of time so that it was like I wasn't going to get a fright of a, a big gas bill or something like that. I've done exactly the same. It's so <laughs> I have coloured folders with labels. I just find it easier to deal with that way. In the same way that when I went back to school, I used to love the subject dividers and getting all my stationery ready. I sort of thought, make this fun. So I, that's what I did. Love a bit of stationery. Love a bit of stationery. What I found quite difficult is the name change. So I never really 
changed my name officially to my married name, but there were some things I changed. So if I was setting up like a new bank account, then I'd set it up in my married name. So I didn't, at the time when I set up the bank account, I didn't show any proof of marriage or anything. I just said that that was my name and set up the bank account. And can you do that? Well, that's what seemed to happen like online. I just put in my name and then all my details and set up a bank account. And then now to change my name back to my maiden name, which my passport and everything is still in, Mm -hmm. is a massive mission. I feel like life is set up for marriage, but not divorce. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, did you feel any shame when you got divorced or were you just fine with it? I don't think I felt shame. I felt guilty for not making it work and like the failure side of things. I don't know. I've always joked. One of my friends from like sixth form reminded me the other day that I always joked that I'd have like five husbands like Elizabeth Taylor Mm -hmm. and diamonds. And I think I've obviously when you enter into a marriage, you hope it's going to last a lifetime. But I think I've always been okay with the idea of divorce being a thing. I think for me, it was more that I remember us being so in love and there were such brilliant things about the relationship. The idea that that then went wrong and I couldn't fix it Mm -hmm. for me is more the, that kind of, I failed, I couldn't make it work. I don't know if it's because I'm getting divorced at a time where maybe people are more open about it. And, you know, like this podcast, I don't think I could have made this podcast even really 10 years ago. I don't think people would have come on it or listened to it. And and I think now it's still, you know, it's still a bit taboo. I find quite a lot like people who were very good friends of mine. There's people who drop away when you get a divorce. People who have discussed their relationship with you and they might, good friends who might have not, not have a perfect relationship And the fact that you've decided to make a change and you're not living that life and you're not settling for a marriage that isn't good for you. I think people drop away because they don't want to confront their own relationships sometimes. So I I lost a lot of friends that I thought were good friends. I mean, I see them when I see them and and it's nice to to see them and they're pleased to see me. But I remember thinking, this isn't about you. They're not just falling away because they don't like you. It's because they're looking at their relationships and seeing that you've made a change. Yeah, it's funny how many people say that, actually, of the people I've spoken to, that they've lost a lot of friends. And and I do think it is that thing of they either think that because you've done it, you, you you know, because deciding that something's come to an end and you have to leave it is a brave thing to do. And I think sometimes by contrast, other people feel shamed themselves that they're not doing the thing that you've had the guts to do and maybe they deep down want to do but can't for whatever reason and then other times I think people you know there's a lot of events that you go to as a couple with other Mm -hmm. couples and then I think other couples think oh it might be uncomfortable if there's someone there on their own yeah so weird that one isn't it or you get some friends that like keep their husbands well away from you like do you know what mate he's perfectly safe I'm coming nowhere near him. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that weird that all of a sudden you get divorced and everyone thinks, you know, you've just come out of a difficult relationship. You don't want to be married again, but everyone thinks you're going to steal their husband. Yeah, but also I wonder, like, I was saying this to my my sister's um, 
got, went through a divorce. We were talking about how, so I met my husband really quickly. Eight months after we split up, I met my, my husband and he was 23 and I was 35. And I was like, mate, you don't want to know. I'm the walking wounded. I've got two kids. You do not want a relationship with me. Turns out that's catnip for a 23 year old. And, um, <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. And um, my sister and I were talking about, I wonder if it would have been different if I'd been 35 and he'd been 23 and I didn't have kids. Because you know how sometimes people des- decide what you're after whether, and you haven't said anything. Mm. I wonder if at 23, his friends would have been like, she wants a baby, keep away from her. She wants a baby because she doesn't have kids and her biological clock and all that shit that they say about women, which is not the same for every single woman. I wonder if we would have sort of had as easy a path if I hadn't had kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting because I think, I guess I haven't sort of come up against that yet, Mm. but maybe that is what people are thinking when I go on dates with them. (laughs) Oh, she wants kids quick. It's just so weird because I just think that one size fits all philosophy of people is so bizarre. Yeah. And I think other people judging your life is very interesting. I, I remember when I was married, as soon as we got married, then everyone started asking when we were going to have children. That's such an appropriate question. Why would anyone, you just think you don't know if anyone's gone through a miscarriage or even if they don't want kids or if they can't have kids, it's whose business is it Yeah, to ask those questions? And I, I have polycystic ovaries, which is like a syndrome, which can mean you get cysts on your ovaries. Mm-hmm. People do have children with that, but some people can't have children with that. So I always just said, I don't know if I can have kids. And that would always shut people up. And it wasn't <laughs> like, it wasn't like I'd been to the doctor and then been like, you can't have kids, but it is a possibility I might not be able to. I've never had the official test. Oh, really? So it wasn't me lying, but I do feel like sometimes saying like... As a, brutal as that. Just yeah, makes up, people yeah. think, why am I asking those questions? Because, you know, when they get an answer like that, they don't know what to do with it. But yeah. How else are you going to answer that question? Unless yeah. you're like, actually, I already am pregnant. Surprise. <laughs> when I was 24, I was told I couldn't have kids because I had cervical cancer. And they were like, you might, you, you probably won't be able to have kids. And I remember the nurse being really flippant about it. And I was kind of like, oh. And then I remember telling a friend of mine, a male comedian, that I couldn't have kids. And he said to me, don't you think you should be worrying about getting a boyfriend first? Nice. Classic comedian response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I think Isabella was determined to come, whether it was, you know, whatever. But so were you trying for kids when you had your first? I wasn't not trying. I, don't, I wasn't on contraceptive, but I just assumed it wasn't going to happen. You assumed that you wouldn't. Yeah. Well, that's kind of amazing that you then did. That all three of my kids are so strong-willed. I think they were just looking for a portal. (laughs) And it was you. Yeah, it happened to be me. (laughs) So now that you have your lovely children Mm -hmm. and you are forever linked with your ex because of them, Mm -hmm. what, 13 years on... How is it the fact that you do have to still see and communicate with that person? It's fine. I went to his 50th. We, we got on fine. Do you know what? It's sometimes if the kids do something really annoying and I think, oh my God, you're so like your father. But you know, <laughs> but there's, there's things they do that remind you of your ex because they are similar to your ex and they're walking around in your house and you love them. And so that's, that's quite weird that and, and there's a, a lot of times where I have had to talk myself off the ledge. I sound like a real nasty bitch, don't I? I don't dislike my ex-husband, but no, I love my children. I but sometimes when you see a behavior that is reminiscent of someone that you don't, you no longer get on with, mm. you know, you kind of go, oh, there's that. I find that hard. And what's it like now? Because now you're happily married with your second husband. Mm-hmm. What's it like having that new person in the mix? with the children it's interesting 
well, the kids have lived with their stepdad longer than they live with their dad. They were two and four when we split up. So Max doesn't remember ever living with his dad. And it's nice to have the support. You know, when you sort of, I don't know about you, but when, like, when you sort of have a, a, a difference of opinion with your ex, and you think, am I, being, am I being crazy here? It's nice to have someone else. Well, I think that's fair enough. And it's, it's it, you know, it, it's good. The, the, the kids get on really well with Stephen. I think there's something in, I mean, I don't know if there's any books on it, but the sort of blending as a family quite early on, I sort of made the decision that even if I didn't agree with Stephen when he's disciplining the kids, I would back him up until the kids had left the room and then we'd have a conversation rather than undermining him because I kind of feel like I, I've never once said they're my kids because they're his kids. As my, like He adores them, that the two older ones, he, he just treats like his own, his own kids which I was always like, you know, I never knew if that would work, but it does. But I remember making a decision to back him up rather than putting a divide there because kids are so clever at spotting that shit. Mm. I mean, because of the kids or because of your divorce, were you worried going into your new relationship and new marriage? Oh yeah, but also he was 23 and handsome actor and I thought this isn't going to last. So I didn't put anything on it. I think it's a relationship I've let the least on. I didn't have time to phone him up every five minutes to find out what he was doing because I had two kids and I was working. And that was refreshing for him because he like said the ex-girlfriends would like call him and say, what are you doing now? What, 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 what should we meet up? And I'd be like, nah, I can see you next Thursday. <laughs> I joke about it on stage. I'd be halfway through an argument and think, oh, hang on, this isn't for you. This is for the other one. I look back and I'm very different. Like 13 years on, I'm a very different person. I look back and I, and I wish sometimes I could have spoken up for myself more in my first marriage. I just let things go and I wanted everyone to be calm and, and happy and not speaking your truth doesn't make everyone happy. It just makes everyone not acknowledge what you need. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a really important lesson. I think I sort of lost a bit of myself there in the end of my relationship. And now that I'm sort of single and divorced, I feel so much more me and like I can say exactly what I think and I will stand up for myself. Is there anything else like that that you learned from your first marriage? I wanted to be a good wife. I had this sort of thing about being a wife and being a good wife and and sometimes I don't want to bloody cook and sometimes I don't want to, you know, like I had a, a bit of a butting head situation with my eight-year-old this morning when he was moaning at me for like teaching him maths and I was like, do you know what? I don't want to be doing this either. But we have, we're in this together. You have to do your maths and I have to teach it. I'm not happy about it either, but let's just plow on with this, okay? But I think having access to what is that feeling and giving yourself a couple of heartbeats to go, yeah, I feel like this and then saying it and making time for yourself and prioritizing yourself. I think especially having a daughter, I've got better at that because I think, what would I want her to do? And I'd want her to run herself a bath and say, right, everyone shut up. I'm going to have five minutes to myself which I've been guilty of not doing, and then putting myself out, putting myself, putting myself out, and then going, why is no one noticing that I'm putting myself out for them? Because people don't, people have got their own shit going on. Yeah, I think self-care is so important. I know, yeah, it's banded around a lot, but I think it doesn't have to be going for a massage or getting your nails done. Just even five minutes of just, I mean, it could just be your Netflix or I know you're not, you shouldn't watch too much TV, but whatever is your treat, do it. Yeah, a non-dairy Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Is that a thing? It's my treat. Yeah, it's great. I recommend. Well, my alcohol consumption has gone through the roof with this lockdown. <laughs> well, yeah, me too. Plus non-dairy ice cream. And also my targets are just so low. Like my target this week was like to drink a bit less than last week. That's not a target, is it? <laughs> it's not well, like loosely. It's not three workout sessions a day. It's just trying not to open a bottle of wine. <laughs> 
So do you think you were scared by the idea of getting married again after all you'd been through? How was that idea broached? I was really scared of it. And I said I didn't want to ever get married again. And the kids were talking about it. It was important to the kids. The kids were worried about it. And also, I know when my marriage collapsed, I sort of had the rug pulled from under me. I thought everything was fine. I didn't know. And so I've got this fear, you know, that happening again. And Stephen's kind of like, you know, I'm not him. And I'm, I'm really wary of punishing him for my previous relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. You know, stuff that's happened in a previous relationship, you bring to your new relationship and you're like, I don't know, don't leave that cup there. He always used to leave that cup there and upset me. Like, I just don't want to be that guy. But I think we're, we're working through it together. I was frightened when he asked me to marry him. I was kind of like, oh my God. And he said, you need to say something when, and I was like, yeah. So yeah, my, my first reaction was, yeah, but I was frightened about it. And we've been for counseling, like every so often we go for this, this amazing woman who helps you me understand that you, we all grew up in different families and we all have different ways of showing love. And Stephen will take the bins out and will think I'm going, oh, he must love me so much. He's taking the bins out. Whereas I'm like, well, that shit needs done. That's not a romantic gesture, mate. But he thinks making my life easier is a romantic gesture. And both are right. But it's about recognizing those things in each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I've looked up all those, you know, ways of displaying. I think I'm like you. I'm like, if you take the bins out, well, I'll do it next week. But yeah. <laughs> if you stroke my hair and tell me that you love me, it goes into my eyes. Oh, really? Yeah, no, you <laughs> it's love really me. funny. And, but I'm married to someone who likes to pick things to pieces. So he likes to sort of a couple of times a week to sort of sit and go, now you said that and how did, what did that mean? And this is how, because apparently last week, and especially in lockdown, I think keeping talking is important and everyone says talking is important, but I find it agonizing. I'd rather stand on stage bearing my soul to 2000 people than have a heart to heart about things I don't like about my husband with him. I, I find it agonizing. But I know it's necessary. And like we were even talking about it. So I'd said last week, I hate going shopping in this lockdown. It's a nightmare. And then I'd go out shopping and he was like, why are you doing this? I, I don't understand. And what I mean is I hate going shopping in the daytime because there's loads of queues everywhere and everyone's darting around and it's all weird and I'm frightened I'm going to get coronavirus. But in the evening when it's much quieter, I quite like having a little snooper in the supermarkets when there's no one there. He was like, but we started having this argument about it. And, he, and it's really funny when you sort of pick something to bits and go, ah, that's where the confusion arises. But who wants to sit and talk like that every day? Yeah, I guess finding ways of communicating can be the making or breaking of a marriage, as we know. Yeah. And I never argued with my ex-husband. We didn't have a single argument. Oh, really? That's very interesting because people normally say that about their newer relationships. No, Stephen and I argue like cat and dog. Does that work for you? Does that feel healthier for you? So I grew up in a house where my mum and my mum was a big shouter and I, I don't like confrontation. I can't bear confrontation. And Stephen has taught me that differences of opinion aren't always confrontational. You can actually discuss things and go, I think this, you think that, let's meet halfway and do this. Whereas I would shy away from that and I would just not say anything. And my first husband was quite sort of emotionally detached. So I kind of felt like I was always sort of trying to, trying to get approval or trying to sort of, I don't know, just get some affirmation, I suppose. Whereas I don't have that in this relationship. I know Stephen loves me and I know he's a pain in the arse and will fight and he annoys me, but I adore him. And it was there things that you were looking for in a new relationship. Were you looking for the opposite of your ex-husband? I wasn't looking for a relationship. I thought there's a hot actor. I'll have sex with him a few times and then that'll be that. <laughs> and I also thought I'm really lucky. I fell in love once and I had two kids. I remember thinking that 
those people, you know, don't meet anyone and they don't have the, the you know, don't experience love, but I'm lucky. And I remember thinking, so if I don't meet anyone, fine, I'm good. I think that's a good place to be. So you saw a hot actor and you thought, I'll sleep with him a couple of times. Yeah. Because I had a bit of a rampage after I split up with my ex and I just was, felt so sexual and free that I would just like see something and go and get it. And oh, really? something no, was a human being. Was the first one. Um, no, I didn't, go, I didn't do that. But my ex-husband stopped having sex with me ages before we split up. And I thought there was something wrong with me. So getting into bed with someone who's like, my God, your body's amazing. I was kind of like, oh, thanks very much. And it's quite nice to feel desired, especially when you feel like you've, you've, like you've provided kids. And I, I always thought that you give someone kids and they love you so much because you've given them a children and, and you're this is beautiful bond forever and blah, 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 blah. So that when it, it didn't quite pan out like that, I was devastated. Yeah. I think a lot of my sexual rampage, I mean, I'm making it sound bigger than it was, but, um, <laughs> but was part of the, oh, wow, like people fancy me, like people want to really have sex with me. And then, you know, we all have a nice time. This is incredible. But that's lovely though. And also you think, I wish I had that in my, tw- like my 20s. I thought I was revolting. And I look at photographs now and think, oh, you're actually doing all right. And then I think when you come out of a marriage, when someone hasn't been cherishing you and worshipping you and adoring you, when you see there's options out there, you're like, oh my goodness. And it feels nice. Oh yeah, definitely. I've calmed down now though. But then I think you, sort of, you go through that. Lots of people go through it in their 20s and you kind of go, actually, this isn't, this isn't all that's cracked up to be, is it? Well, it's just the stamina you need to keep it going for a long period of time. I don't have. I just want to sit at home and eat chocolate now. So that's, that's my new phase. So you said you were a bit scared when you were broaching kind of getting married again. Did you think you approached the like organization of the marriage and like the day and the planning differently to your first marriage and wedding? Yes. Stephen turned into a bit of a groomzilla. <laughs> He, and he's like, where do you want to get married? And I was like, I quite fancy Glasgow University because that's where I went. You can get married in Glasgow University Chapel and it's a non-denominational church. So even if you, so we had a humanist ceremony because you can legally marry in Scotland as a humanist. You can't do it in England. You have to have a registry office and then you're celebrant. So he was like, cool, let's do that. And then it sort of all fell, in, fell into place. But Stephen was the one with the spreadsheets and the planning and the samples of flowers and the colours and... Yeah, he was really, really into it. But it was cool. I was just quite happy because I was like, I remember him saying, what if something goes wrong? And me saying, well, if it goes wrong, you'll be there and I'll be there and the kids will be there. So anything else you know, doesn't, doesn't really matter. But he wanted it all to go perfectly and he, he was really stressed about it. But it was great. It was a lovely, lovely day. We had the best time. I felt more me at my second wedding than I did at the first. Oh, that's nice. I had two weddings to my one husband um, a Why small too? ceremony well my dad was dying at the time so we had a smaller ceremony that he could come to local oh. to where he was and then we had the big one that we'd always planned in Edinburgh and I think weddings are the best because people always say to me has getting divorced put you off getting married I'm like absolutely not I would definitely get married several more times it was great and do you know what at my, my second wedding the chapel we got married in and I didn't realize it had such an impact. You know, everyone's happy at a wedding. Mm. Everyone's really happy. And uh, they, we walked down the aisle and we had, it was like that sort of, you know, that, um, the seats sort of face each other. So everyone was smiling on one side and the other side were smiling. And it sort of felt like 
the smiling happiness was really infectious. So when I walked into the church, it just felt like everyone was beaming with joy because everyone was just sitting smiling at each other. You know, it wasn't just people looking at the back of each other's heads. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you say everyone's happy at a wedding, but I do remember a wedding that I went to during the time that my marriage was kind of breaking down and just feeling incredibly unhappy the whole time. Oh, really? I mean, I don't think the people getting married realized they had a lovely time, but I remember sitting at the back and I didn't know them that well. They were more of a friend of my ex. And I remember sitting at the back and just, I think it was just the idea of, of marriage and weddings that was really getting to me because I knew then that mine wasn't probably going to last. Oh, really? And I remember, did you have any of that? I guess you weren't single for that long. I wasn't that eight months. But I'm thinking, do you know, I remember sat feeling real sadness at my ex's 40th. So he was 40 at the start of September. We split up at the end of September. It was all going off. It was all going wrong. And he had a birthday party where he had a band and he was singing. And then he made this speech to his beautiful wife. And I thought, you're a liar. You're lying in front of all these people. And I remember feeling really sad that just, just a moment of sadness at his 40th thinking, this is weird. Yeah. And do you remember after the breakup, do you remember your worst kind of moment or a particularly bad moment? There was loads of them. I remember like the flat I rented, it was freezing and I tried to turn on the radiator, but the pipe thing, what's it called? That little knob was stuck. So I went and got a pair of pliers to turn it and it all just rotted away and the water was just gushing everywhere and the kids were in bed and I was just like, this is a nightmare calling out Pimlico plumbers at two o'clock in the morning to come and fix it. And, ugh. and it's all those sort of practical things that bothered me. And also I used to get really frightened. The kids would come into my bed and go, mommy, I heard a noise downstairs. And I'd be like, don't worry, nothing's wrong. Going downstairs, going back, panicking about it and trying to be brave in front of the kids. But yeah. then worrying that there was an ax murderer down there. And what were you going to do? Yeah, what was I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, kids. It's like, great, I'm going to get killed and they're going to have to watch it. Brilliant. And then in contrast, do you remember a moment when you thought, oh, everything's going to be okay? I remember being very, very grateful to my ex for splitting up with me when, and remember the conversation I told you about with a friend who said, your daughter's going to look at you and that's going to be her model for her relationships. Yeah. It was one day when um, she was sitting in my bed and Stephen had come up and brought me a cup of tea. It was a Saturday and we were just sitting, me and Bella were sitting chatting in bed. And Stephen was like, I just brought you a cup of tea. I'll just put it there. Do you want anything, Bella? And, I, and Bella was like, no. And he left the room and Bella said, Mommy, when I'm a big girl, I really hope that um, I meet someone who loves me as much as Stephen loves you. And I was just like, oh, that's it. That's nice. Because, you, you, do, you know, with, with, with your daughters and, you know, girls that look up to you, you have to lead by example, don't you? And I don't think yeah, there's any definitely. greater example than putting your own happiness first. I like that, putting your own happiness first. Well, thank you for being an amazing <laughs> example. Well, I'm doing my best. I'm not doing it every day, but you know, we're all human. Just before you go, I have a couple of questions about things I'm going through right now. And I'd love to find out what you did about these. Yeah. So first thing is, did you have an engagement and wedding ring? And what did you do with them? I had an engagement and a wedding ring and I was going to keep them to give to the kids and they got stolen. Oh. And so that took care of that. And how did you feel, yeah, when they got stolen? I felt like an idiot because I hadn't put them away in a safe. Because like, I've never had builders in my house before, so I didn't know that it was like all contractors and anyway. Yeah, they got stolen. But I, you know, I've got a really weird feeling that it's going to come, I'm going to walk past a pawn shop or something and it's going to be one of the, engage the engagement rings going to be in there. 
here's a weird thing. So I don't know why, but one day my engagement ring snapped when I was still married. And so I had it remade. So it wasn't even the ring he proposed with. It was the, the ruby from that ring, but it was a different ring. That's very interesting. I remember my friend saying, oh my God, your ring snapped. That's a sign he's cheated on you. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, my ring snapped. The universe trying to tell you something. What I did have done, which was quite nice, he gave me an eternity ring when I had Max with lots of little baguette diamonds in it. And I had that made into a necklace and earrings and earrings for my daughter. Oh, that's nice. And I can give you the jeweler's name if you want anything remade, because it's nice to have the gems because it's a part of your life, but it's, it's not the token it was, is it? Mm, yeah. I like that remaking it into something that you can use. And what about your, did you have a wedding dress or wedding outfit? And what did you do with that? I had a wedding dress. I think I left it in storage somewhere. So I think it's probably still my ex-husband's house. <laughs> Hope his new wife doesn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she used it for yeah. their wedding. <laughs> I have mine just in, in the bottom of my wardrobe and it just seems like it's taking up space and I'm never going to wear it again. It's an amazing dress. I looked great in it. Can you still get into it? Probably because I wasn't married that long ago. Wear it for a gig and then it's tax deductible. <laughs> amazing. That is good I mean, advice. I, I think for all wedding dresses, I mean, you wear them for one day and then like, I wish I hadn't spent as much on my wedding dresses as I did. Yeah, I feel that now. But then, you know, how do you tell a bride that? And also, it's such a big deal made of the whole finding the perfect dress moment. Mm -hmm. And actually, on the day, yeah, you do want to look nice, but the day is not about what you're wearing. You forget what you're wearing. Oh, my first wedding, I didn't buy the dress. I've just remembered that it got made. It was made by a wedding as a wedding present. You'll love this one. This is how um, boys don't, not all boys, certain gentlemen don't realize what's important to women. He had a friend who was a tailor. He was going to make his suit in my dress. And he got a girl from his women's wear department to make my dress. I was like, cool. We went shopping for the fabric and she's measuring me up. And she was quite off with me like for a couple of the fittings because I said, can I come in again? And she was like, no, you won't need to come in again. Come in, come in like in, in about two weeks time. I was like, all right. And I went home and said, she was really off with me. And my ex went, how strange. I mean, I slept with her a couple of times, but there was no, you know, there was nothing in it. And I was like, you slept with the girl who's making my wedding dress. Oh my. <laughs> the signs were there, Samantha. <laughs> before you were together though. Yeah, before I was together. Yeah. But still, you still don't but want still. someone that's fucked your husband making your wedding dress. No, she might like sew a pin into it. <laughs> A difficult place. Not that she would have wanted to marry him, but I it's know, still weird. I know, but you still, I just had that sort of, oh no, she's seen me naked. I don't know what, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter, but it makes me laugh now and it's a quite an entertaining story. But at the time I was like, oh no. Yeah, that's, <laughs> wow. I didn't have anything like that. I just went to a wedding dress shop <laughs> and I forgot to wear matching underwear because I, I didn't realise that they, I thought I'd just put it on. I was like, well, it's only me. I didn't realise that they fully come in with you and like yeah. you have to step into it and they like, you know, hoik you in or tie you up because they only have one size of all the dresses. So this poor girl, I think I was wearing like bright purple pants and a different coloured bra that didn't match and was really old or something. And I was like, oh, this is very intimate. <laughs> when I went shopping for my uh, second wedding dress, my mother came. My mum's, I mean, my mum's a piece of work. But um, she's like, what colour are you going to get? And I was like, I thought I'd go for cream. And my mum's like, oh, please yourself. Uh, <laughs> because obviously I shouldn't be getting married in white because I'm a, a tainted woman having been married before. I see. They tried on the dress and it wasn't, I, I had tried on a couple and I put this dress on and I didn't even particularly like the style, but I felt swishy in it and I started swishing. And you, you know, you're like, oh, there's something about this dress that my body just likes me in it. 
because I was swishing. Mm. And I came out of the changing room and my mom and my sister were trying on veils. They weren't even paying attention. <laughs> Just enjoying, <laughs> enjoying their day out. Well, yeah, they were. They were. <laughs> Sitting drinking champagne, trying on veils. I was like, can you look at me for a minute? Yeah, I think something about wedding dress trying on is it's more fun not being the bride because being the bride, you've got to get in and out of all these things and make a decision. Whereas if you are there with your friends, you, you get to drink and sit down and have a nice time. And I went with Lucy Porter to one, one fitting and um, Lucy's the most sort of unromantic, straightforward person. She was like, well, this one's tooth colored. And I was like, it's ivory. She went, it looks secondhand. I was like, it's vintage. <laughs> I wish you filmed that. That would have been a very entertaining she so episode. Of... She was like, why do these all look old? They're vintage. They're meant to look vintage, Lucy. <laughs> and finally, what have you done with your divorce certificate? Is it framed? Oh no, it's not framed. No, I can't. No, it's in um, it's in a file. It's in a, it's in a folder, a colourful folder. I've got all that stuff in there. And have you ever had to show it? Yeah, going through the airport. Oh yeah, of course. And did you have to show it when you got remarried? Did I have to show it when I got remarried? I think I had to show them the decree absolute. Yeah, I don't know if anyone checks if you're married before, do they? I think someone said that they had to show theirs to get remarried. Oh really? Maybe I did. I don't yeah. recall. So you, it's in a box of file. What else is in there? Bills? No, I've got this. Is, I've got a, a whole divorce file. It's got the house sale that went through my old house. It's got the divorce stuff. It's got the kids' birth certificates. So it's got all the sort of stuff relating to the divorce. Nothing else in it. I love the idea of a divorce file. That means I can buy new stationery. Yeah, get a divorce file. What colour's yours? Uh, turquoise. Oh, what does that say about your divorce? <laughs> Sounds know. quite dreamy, actually, turquoise. But yeah, but as as Louis C.K. says, and I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan of his uh, actions, but he's got a joke about how the good thing about divorce is that it just gets better and better and better. And it does. Because every few years, I'm just more grateful that I'm divorced. Oh, well, that's a perfect way to end our conversation. <laughs> Wendy, thank you. You're Where can welcome. people find out more about you online and things? I'm on Twitter, just talking shit mostly. I'm doing online gigs. Yeah, you can get me Wendy underscore Wason on Twitter or on Instagram, same thing. Just chatting nonsense. And norm I'm not very good at publicizing gigs, so normally you'll get like a five minute warning that I'm about to walk on stage somewhere. Excellent. But yeah, not for the minute. But as soon as that's up and running, you'll see it on Instagram or Twitter. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you 
can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.